everything that exists has a purpose, has a reason for its existence, and that includes you and me. We have a purpose. We are ordered toward an end. And that means that there's a direction that we're meant to move towards, just like a, a river flows towards the sea, or a flower turns so that it can face the sun. And all of our happiness, our ultimate happiness, is tied to whether or not we achieve that end. Right? So the most important question then that we can ask in our lives is, what is that end? What is our purpose? What is it that we're drawn to? And then how can we achieve that? And in order to answer that, in order to know our purpose, we first have to know, well, what are we? What is it that we are? We can't know our purpose if we don't know what we are. You and I are people made in the image of God. That's what we are. And what that means is that God, in a sense, used himself as the blueprint for our creation. He used himself as the blueprint for our creation so that there's a likeness of God that's embedded in the very fabric of our beings. And that's why we're drawn so desperately towards him. It's why union with him is heaven. That's what heaven is. It's union with God. And it's why separation from him is hell. Our perfection, our fulfillment lies in God. And we feel that. We feel that in the depths of our soul, even if we don't always acknowledge it in our mind. And so the purpose of our life can be summed up in three words. Union with God. That's what we're made for. Union with God. And the drama of our spiritual life uphills and downhills and all the struggles, that drama is the journey of a soul seeking God, a soul seeking its end. And will we complete that journey? Will we make it? Will we attain that end of eternal union with that God in whose image we're made? Or will we turn somewhere else? Will we turn to a destiny of our own choosing, go off on our own path and be doomed to an eternity where we never fulfill that potential and therefore can never be truly happy. We long for God. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that God longs for us too. The liturgy that we celebrate here in the church is our ritual retelling of that story of God uniting himself to us so that we might unite ourselves to him. That's the drama of our salvation. And that's what I want to show you today, how this is played out in our liturgy. Because there's an ancient adage in the church. In Latin, it's lex orindi, lex credendi. Lex orindi, lex credendi. And what that means is how we pray, lex orindi, is how we believe, lex credendi. How we pray is how we believe. And that means that the truths of our faith are expressed in the liturgy that we pray. And our prayer in the liturgy is meant to help us orient our lives around that truth. 
So how do we pray today? How is a church calling us to pray today? Well, that prayer begins with the entrance chant. The prayer begins with the entrance chant. And the entrance chant that the church is instructing us to sing from the Roman Missal is is actually different than the one that we heard today. I should have probably checked with the choir because they sang the entrance chant from the Roman Gradual, which is also really good. Uh, But the one in the Roman Missal (laughs) is the one that makes the point I want to make. And it's from Psalm 70 for this Sunday. It's from Psalm 70. And it says, O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. It's a cry of help. It's a cry from the heart. It's that prayer of a people longing for God. God, come, help me. And that same plea is echoed in the collect prayer that Father prays after we sing the Gloria. And that prayer is called the collect because what it's meant to do is to collect the prayers of all of us here gathered, all of the faithful, into a singular intention that our priest offers as we begin our celebration. And this Sunday, that intention that we all pray for is this. Draw near to your servants, O Lord, and answer their prayers with unceasing kindness, that for those who glory in you as their creator and guide, you may restore what you have created and keep safe what you have restored. Draw near to us, Lord, we pray. Answer our prayers. Just like that entrance chant, the collect is a a cry of longing for God. Come to us. And then we begin the liturgy of the word. And we begin our liturgy of the word with a reading from Isaiah. And what do we hear in this reading from Isaiah? We hear God's cry for us. We've been praying, come to us, Lord, come to us, Lord. And now we hear the prayer of God's own heart calling out to us and saying, all you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come, receive grain and eat. Come without paying and without cost. Come, come to me. We call out to God, come, O Lord. And God calls out to us, come, my people. We're like two lovers looking for one another in the night. And that's actually the exact way that our relationship with God is described in the Song of Solomon in the Old Testament, as two lovers looking for each other in the night. We look for God, and God looks for us. And he's been looking for us since before we knew we were even lost. But we seek him out and we pray, come, Come, as though he were far away. But he's more near than we think. And so in our psalm today, we sing, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. Now what does that mean, who call upon him in truth? Remember that. We're going to come back to that in a moment. So we look for God, and God looks for us, and we know that, oh, if we could find him, if we could unite ourselves to God, we would never want for anything again. All of our longings would be satisfied. Our search would be over. And that's what heaven is. It's a union with God so perfect that nothing is lacking. It can never be broken. It's what St. Paul is describing in our second reading. 
when he says neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, present things, future things, no powers, no height, no depth, nor any other creature will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus the Lord. What a glorious day that will be. But when will it come for us? And how will we get there? How can we fulfill our purpose of being united with God, who is the source and the summit of our being? Well, now we come to the gospel. The gospel, the good news. And our good news today begins with Jesus withdrawing to a deserted place by himself. How is that good news? We've been longing for God, and now here's our Lord withdrawing to be by himself. This is good news because Jesus is Emmanuel. That word means God with us. That is good news because we were made for a divine purpose that's beyond our natural abilities. We were made for union with God, but we can't achieve that on our own. If we're left on our own to find God, we would never meet our end. But God doesn't leave us on our own to find him. He comes to us. He comes to us. He humbles himself to be born of the Virgin Mary and for our sake become man. That's who Jesus is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So our gospel begins with Jesus. And he withdraws from the crowds. He withdraws to be alone. And then look what happens next. The crowd comes to him. He withdraws and they follow. It's like a lover's dance. He withdraws and they follow. And he sees their love. And he's moved by them. He's filled with pity. And he heals the sick. And then the evening comes and the disciples say, Shall we send them away, Lord? They're going to need something to eat. But they have no need that their divine lover cannot fulfill. So Jesus says there's no need to send them away. And he takes five loaves and two fish, all the food in the disciples' possession. And watch what he does. He takes the bread. He says the blessing. He breaks it. And he gives it to them to eat. And the gospel says they all ate and were satisfied. What are we about to do here in our liturgy, my brothers and sisters? What do we gather here to do every Sunday? We come here so that we can draw close to Christ because we also have that longing to be with our Lord. We come to Him. We come to Him with our needs. We come to Him bringing what we have. A little bit of bread, a little bit of wine, hungry hearts. And in just a few moments, Jesus Christ will approach this altar in the person of his priest. And he will take the bread, offering thanksgiving to the Father. He will bless it, speaking the words of Christ at the Last Supper. This is my body, and this is my blood. And he will break it as Christ's body was broken for us on the cross. 
and he will give it to us to eat and we will be satisfied. God is nearer to us than we know if we just have the eyes to see. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. I said we would get back to that line from the psalm. So what does it mean that God is near to those who call upon him in truth? It means this. God is truth. God is truth. And so the only way to approach God is in truth. And this requires a couple of things from us. It requires first humility. Because we have to be willing to admit that there is a truth greater than ourselves and that we have to conform ourselves to it if we desire unity with it. And that requires humility. And it also requires trust. We have to have trust because when Jesus says, this is my body, there's only one reason to believe him. It's because we trust him. We trust him. During the Bread of Life discourse, after he told all of the disciples that they had to eat his flesh and drink his blood to gain eternal life, they left. And Jesus looked at the apostles and he asked them, will you too leave me? And Peter spoke on their behalf and said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter didn't understand, but he trusted. And we have to have trust. If we want to be one with the Lord, we have to humble ourselves and we have to trust in him. And that's why God comes to us in the way that he does. Not in a storm, not in an earthquake, not in anything that's going to overwhelm us with his presence. He comes to us in that still, small voice of the sacraments by means that we can approach and under forms that appear simple to our eyes. A little bread, a little wine. So that he'll only be recognized by those who look for him with the eyes of faith and by those who call upon him in truth. We have a purpose. We were made for union with God. That's the meaning of our life. We seek God. And the church has a purpose. The purpose of the church is to pass on that divine revelation that God seeks us to. And he longs for us to be one with him. And he's given us the means to do so. And that sacred encounter between us and God That sacred meeting happens in two places. Publicly, it happens here in the church. Privately, it happens here in the individual soul. And we come here to know him better in the sacraments that he gives us so that we may know him even better within our hearts.